Support for Full Circle comes from Oak Bay Bikes. Serving cyclists in Victoria for over 80 years, Oak Bay Bikes has two locations and free pickup drop-off service. They are there wherever you need them. Find Oak Bay Bikes online at oakbaybikes.com. You're listening to Full Circle. I'm Max Collins, filling in for your regular host, Jordan Barron. In this series, we feature stories from the greater Victoria area that speak to what really matters to Vancouver Islanders. Yvonne always had a way with words. She took to writing poetry about nature from the get-go of her school days. When I was a little kid, probably still living in Sherwood Park, we had to do a poetry assignment for school where we had to write about, we had to write like a sonnet about a tree. We had to do some free verse things. And I, I wasn't a great student, but I took that really, really seriously. And I think that was my first time where I thought this was something I could do. I could make pictures with words. After moving from a small town in central Alberta to Vancouver Island, she got a whole lot more inspiration for writing from her new surroundings. So I moved to Vancouver Island, I think when I was 12 or 13, and what I remember vividly is driving off the ferry and the green, 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 big leafed trees as we drove down Departure Bay. And then at the bottom of that road is the beach access. And um, I think those things implanted on me very immediately. Flash forward to now, Yvonne is Victoria's Poet Laureate. And one of her jobs as Laureate is to create new opportunities for other poets in Victoria to exhibit their work. So when deciding on what topic would be best for a collection of poetry that would encompass the writing of Victoria poets, Yvonne's love for her surrounding environment helped her find her answer. There were a lot of poems that explored our human connection to the ocean. Why do we go and sit by the ocean and what does it offer us? And you can imagine that there are a lot of poets that have a lot to say about the ocean. Yvonne is right. People identify with the Big Blue. It provides us with relaxing beaches. The creatures that live within it tickle mankind's love of mystery and the unknown. Even the city itself wouldn't be recognizable without the smell of salty sea air or the boats in the inner harbor. Tell that to someone that doesn't live near the water, say, someone from Yvonne's previous home in Sherwood Park, and almost certainly they wouldn't understand this whole sea bonding thing. Really, how would anybody get it unless they have lived by the ocean? In this episode, we'll try to explain what all the hubbub is about. Each story spotlights why Vancouver Islanders are enamored by the ocean and how they express their admiration to it. We join a potluck held for a protest to protect the Salish Sea. We go to a beach to check in with the locals. And Yvonne tells us more about the poems that she's been collecting. From CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, I'm Max Collins. This is Full Circle. Stay tuned. First up, we get a glimpse of a gathering after a long, long day of walking. This walking took place to bring awareness to a potential threat harrowing over the Salish Sea that surrounds most of Vancouver Island and many of the Gulf Islands. So there's an energy infrastructure company called Kinder Morgan, and they're hoping to install a pipeline from near Edmonton to lower mainland BC. The indigenous nations around those parts, who didn't consent to having this pipeline constructed, have voiced their concern about what an oil spill may do to the Salish Sea, if it were to happen. Out of that concern, the Walk for Salish Sea was born. This is a walk that takes place over four days, from Mile Zero in Victoria to the gates of Kinder Morgan in Burnaby. 
CFUV correspondent Miles joined in on a potluck after the first day of walking, and he got a sense of that ocean love that islanders are known for. Coming up next is Walk for Salish Sea, first night. Since the announcement of the Kinder Morgan Pipeline expansion on May 19, 2016, there has been nothing short of a public uproar from the people of British Columbia. The pipeline is set to run from Edmonton through Alberta and all the way to Burnaby, BC. The outrage lies in the increased, if not inevitable, risk of pipeline ruptures, the disregard for indigenous territories built upon without consent, and the health and safety of the coastal and ocean ecosystems. In response, the Walk for Salish Sea was born. The four-day march, a peaceful act of civil disobedience and protest, started on Songhees territory in Victoria and ended at the Kinder Morgan Terminal on Slaywatooth territory in Burnaby. In total, around 75 people marched the full 23 kilometers from start to finish, with over 200 people joining in along the way, marching against Kinder Morgan, tar sands, and fossil fuel expansion without societal or indigenous consent, nor environmental care. On May 25th, I attended the first day of the march here in Victoria, BC, and ended for the day at the Sayoit First Nations Gathering Strength Gymnasium. The gymnasium was lined with long tables and filled with people of all ages, from little kids to seniors and elders. They filtered in from the walk as the kitchen bustled with the activity of organizers, working hard to get everything ready for dinner. A lot of the participants looked like the regular island types, people who have been fighting these sorts of activist battles for years and years, faces kissed by the sun, and hair all in tangles. Welcome you all that managed to make it here today. Thank you all for being here. Our drum group is uh, OCM. It's a little play on our language. Uh, it stands for Our Culture Matters. And uh, we've been asked to come and share a prayer song. Uh, Before dinner, a drum circle started, and for the rest of the evening, it was almost all you could hear. Over the rhythmic sounds, people talked to one another, laughed, and were full of smiles. The camaraderie, spirit, and positivity of people gathered in solidarity was palpable in the air. The first person I talked to was Toby Joseph, a First Nations man invited to sing and open the table for a prayer song. I'm Toby Joseph. I'm, uh, my traditional name is Kulakwilam. I'm from Sayout First Nation here. Oh, I fully support the walk and, and what's happening. Uh, we, I was on council for years, actually, and uh, my teachings are about uh, thinking seven generations ahead, and uh, Kinder Morgan is, is thinking about now. Right, what the, pot, the money they can make now, and as opposed to the future, and, um, there's, you know, how many studies done, uh, independent studies showing uh, the disaster would happen if a spill happened, right? Right. And I, and as we know, there's no if. It, it's, it's so important, especially in our community. I grew up uh, fishing uh, trout and salmon. Just so there's a little bay down here. Uh, 
harvesting crabs and clams. I still go out harvest crabs once in a while uh, called raking. We go out just wading in the waters and raking crabs. So um, even we can actually see the tankers go between the islands and uh, probably about half an hour to 45 minutes the, the waves create uh, big wakes that I, I have, sometimes I have to get out of the water because it raises up so much and, and uh, so it affects our, shore, our foreshores as, as it is. On top of a four-day march, the Walk for Salish Sea also had large marine wildlife puppets. Uh, my name's Kim Hall and I'm I was lucky enough to interview Kim Hall, a member of Orca Soundings. It's been such a great experience. We are doing the whole walk and we're going to end up on day four over final destination at Kinder Morgan with about 78 2D and 3D orca whales. And we've got one human guardian representing every orca in this in the Coast Salish Sea. And it's just been such a beautiful experience so far. So I'm just walking for freedom and sovereignty for humans and non-human form alike and keeping our Salish Sea as clean as possible for the southern resident orca. Last but not least, I spoke to Shauna Green, an indigenous drummer who helped lead the march. My Fatimina name is Artisea Wittenot and uh, my colonial name is Shauna Green. Um, and I'm on the swap. Um, I'm one of the drummers. Um, I had the honor of leading us today um, with all these other drummers we led. And um, yeah, it's, it's a blast. It's a definitely a different experience doing this. All these people are just beautiful. I'm from Alberta and that dirty pipeline is coming this way and I just I couldn't imagine it touching our coast. I, 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 uh, I live in Tofino and we have the most beautiful place in the world. And I think there should be more of us walking because it's worth it. And that pipeline, it's gonna, it's not good. Like the elders can feel it, we can feel it. It's it's not good for BC. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for the water. And um, it's just plain and simple. It's just a no. It's just no. It's wrong. And that's that's why I'm doing it. That's why I'm walking. I'm gonna run. All of us are walking all the way to Vancouver. I think every day that I'm home in Sofino, I just couldn't imagine if it wasn't there. You know, like people, people in other provinces, they spend, they, they save up all year to go and see what we live in. This beautiful great forest. And um, I really, it's just beautiful. It's just so, and it's just so freely given to us. And we should take care of it. And um, yeah, it's just beautiful. It's BC's breathtaking. life. So I'm just hoping and praying for this 
Kinder Morgan to come to a halt and never to come back. So. The Walk for Salish Sea was completely organized and run by volunteers who believe in a better future for Canada's environment and the government's respect and treatment of its people. Whether or not the government is listening, the community gathered. It sang and marched and protested, finding strength in each other to keep fighting for a better future. listen to Walk for Salish Sea, First Night, a piece created by members of CFUV's production team. Up soon, we visit the beach on a lovely sunny day and get in with the locals. That's in a moment. Stay with us. Support for Full Circle comes from Oak Bay Bikes, serving cyclists in Victoria for over 80 years. Are you curious about e-bikes? Check out the Oak Bay Bikes Demo On Demand program. At Oak Bay Bikes, E is for everyone. For more information, visit Oak Bay Bikes in Victoria or on the West Shore, or online at oakbaybikes.com. From CFUV 101.9 FM, you're listening to Full Circle. I'm Max Collins, filling in for Jordan Barron. Welcome back. In this episode, we hear stories about the ocean. We find out why Victorians are so enamored with it and what they do to feel a connection with it. Next up is a relaxing little day trip. Gyro Beach is both a playground and a sandy beach, great for walking your dogs or playing some frisbee. The water itself is part of a small bay, so the waves never get too ferocious. There's a statue of a sea monster, and if you're in with the locals, they'll tell you the exact way to properly climb from the mouth of the beast to the tail. On top of that, there's a big green space for picnicking if you're not interested in getting a bunch of sand in your food. Sounds like the perfect spot, right? The many, many patrons of the beach seem to think so too. We went to the source to hear what makes the beach so magical. Up next is Island Paradise. Okay, so I'm at the beach. Relatively quiet today, it's not super windy, and uh, there's a few clouds in the sky, which is strange for Victoria, seeing as <laughs> usually it is full of clouds. We have a nice blue day to do the sun, it's quite nice. Sir, excuse me? Hi, hello. Hi, sorry. I'm doing a short audio documentary on uh, the best places in Victoria. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? Yeah. D- do you come to the beach often? Every day. So, I, li- I live in Cabra, I live in Queens, but I just live a few blocks away. No, I'm here every day, every day walking, this oh, little guy. Okay. Rain, rain, sun, <laughs> or, or, yes, uh-huh. Totally. I am. Have you been coming here for long? Oh, my, my husband and I have lived in this district for 
Oh, 28 years. Um, we had a dog for several years when we first came. Then I was without a dog until just last summer. I, I inherited this little guy. Oh, yeah. But still, we would walk on the beach. Okay. No, we would walk here. Oh, yes. Have you lived in Victoria all of your life? No, no, I haven't. I moved here. I moved here in 1967 from Calgary. Okay. And uh, not my husband here. No, so I've lived here since 1967. Okay. But I had two brothers that lived here a long time, and my mother and father used to come out here every I'm year. I'm doing a short for a audio documentary so. about uh, yeah. the best places in Victoria. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? We're visitors. You are? Okay, that's great. Um, where are you from? Newfoundland. Newfoundland. So also around the ocean? Yes. yes. How long are you visiting here for? A uh, month. Have you lived around the ocean your whole lives? Like mm -hmm. were you in Newfoundland before? Well, Basically I mean, we've lived around the ocean. It's difficult to live in Newfoundland without living by the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> that's Since. why we love it so much too. Could you ever imagine not living by the ocean? No. No? Wouldn't want to. What's um what's the best part about it, do you think? Like why Just why the smells, the scenery, the distance, the activities, the yeah. fishery. And the visitors come and they seem to congregate around the oceans as well. Yeah, I think it's the best part about Victoria. So. Yeah, it's the ocean. The ocean and the people. We were yes. in Calgary for a month. Uh, personal experiences and stuff. So, uh, could I grab your names, first names? Okay, I'm Oscar. Oscar? Anea. Anea. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Is it a bonus to live by the ocean? Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, Actually, I like it here. Yeah, I grew up on, like, I'm from Haiti, so I grew up on an ocean because it's an island. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was really like, like here really made me connect back to like my roots and stuff because like the ocean I love the ocean growing up right and then like I lived in southeastern BC for so long where there was an ocean obviously and then coming here I'm like yay Victoria so I love it <laughs> it's actually one of the reasons why I'm here is because of the ocean it's just so peaceful yeah. um, I agree with you have you yeah. been coming to the beach like for your whole life or I just moved to Victoria a couple of years ago where'd yeah. you move from Arizona Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so Not... the beach is a huge plus. Yeah, and so I love it. Did you move for the ocean? Uh, partially to like go to school. Okay. Like I went to school, but I, I'm going to go to school somewhere near the ocean. So what do you like so much about the ocean? Uh, it's just different. I've like lived in the heat my whole life. Yeah, I just love Victoria. I get you. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, my dad's from Edmonton. How's it going? Thanks. I'm good, thank you. Hi. Oh my goodness. Uh, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? I'm doing a short ooh, hey, audio documentary on um, the best places in Victoria. Sure. Well, how, how long have you been coming to the beach for? Like, are you from here or? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm from Hong Kong originally. Oh, wow. Um, but I've been on the island like eight-ish years. Okay. Um, so I'd say I've been coming to the beaches around like four years. What made you decide to start coming to the beach after um, living uh, here for four years and not going to a beach? Well, I was up island, so I wasn't really in Victoria, but it was more it was more <laughs> so when I um, came and was going to Uvic actually, and it was just easy to just kind of walk down and go to the beach, and just like with school and all of that, it's very stressful and whatnot, so I needed a place to kind of just get out of my own place, get out of school, and just kind of come and relax and just sit and try and not think. And what is it about the beach that like helps you not think? Um different noises like I'd say just like the waves like as like cliche as it sounds but just like the repetitive noises and yeah it's nice people watching as well just kind of disconnect you from like your own reality and this is Stella this is Stella hi Stella Stella say hi what do you think about the beach she loves the beach she loves <laughs> eating sand I don't like Over there, sand. along with a couple other things um 
seagulls. Uh, there's some crows and some ravens as well. And uh, looks like there is a, a plane overhead. Uh, in the distance, you can see a few different boats. It looks like a relatively larger boat that might be a ferry coming in. And uh, closer in the water, we can see a couple seals playing around. Oh. Yeah, all in all, it's a pretty peaceful day on the beach. Not too many people. Uh, most people that are around here are walking their dogs. And uh, yeah, it's quite nice out today. That was Island Paradise, a piece created by myself and members of CFEV's production team. For our final story, we catch up with Yvonne, Victoria's Poet Laureate. So Yvonne loves her environment, she loves the ocean, and she wants to do what she can to advocate for the well-being of all parts of it. As demonstrated, she isn't alone in her love and care for the Big Blue. So when she came up with the idea to create a collection of poems about it, her idea was met with a ton of support. A publisher agreed to work with her right away, and when they created a call for submissions, the entries poured in one after another. Not only is this book filled with awesome poetry and prose, Yvonne has an eye to get readers thinking about the ocean in more ways than one with the collection. So, here's Refugium, Poems for the Pacific. When I was a little kid, probably still living in Sherwood Park, we had to do a poetry assignment for school where we had to write about, we had to write like a sonnet about a tree. We had to do, we had to do haiku. We had to do some free verse things. And I, I wasn't a great student, but I took that really, really seriously. And I think that was my first time where I thought I could, this was something I could do. I could make, I could make pictures with words. And, and I realized there were, there were these forms that existed, and I just was excited about it at a young age. There are those of us at the bow of the boat, breathing deeply, eyes front, teeth bared for anything, and those at the stern watching what was disappear with the wake, and the dwindling orcas who would say, if they could, there are too many boats heedless, no matter the gaze. And this poem is called Sinking by Luther Allen, and he's a poet from Bellingham, Washington. I think partly I see things going on in the world and I want to figure out a way to fix it. <laughs> so I think that's part of it, which of course is crazy. Um, poetry can't fix things, but, I, but, but perhaps by exploring or asking questions of those things, I can dig into them and kind of get other people thinking about them through the poems. That would be the ideal, but who knows. My name is Yvonne Blomer. I'm the City of Victoria's Poet Laureate. And, uh, and as a Poet Laureate, I create opportunities for poetry to appear in venues where it might not be expected. So my new book is called Refugium, Poems for the Pacific and that has come out of a concern for the Pacific Ocean. I've, so I've edited it, I don't have a poem in the book, but it has 82 poets in there, and um, those poets 
are both or are either feeling a deep connection to the ocean for one reason or another or a very deep concern for it. And so I've tried to interweave those two kind of parallels in the book. It comes back to um, to that idea of what can poetry do in the real world. And I think that came up um, I was applying for the Poet Laureate position and I was like, well, this is kind of a political position. How does poetry fit into a political position? What, what, can, what can a political position do for poetry or what can poetry do in that position? And so in my application, I said I wanted to figure out a way <laughs> to help protect the Pacific Ocean through poetry, um, which again, I know is quite grandiose because I said that in my application, I wanted to just stick to that. And so... Um, I approached a publisher who was right away interested, Caitlin Press, which was great. That just made the whole process easy. And then put a call out and started gathering poems. I'll read this poem. It's called On Dallas Road by Issa Millman. She's a Victoria poet and visual artist. Entirely sapphire sapphire yesterday's waves. Up high watched peristalsis gravity's churn. Beneath sandy cliff face, its lemony coat, thought, ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. A classroom burble from long ago, history of species written in our code, my limbs replay, the long trek up from darkness, grief I could not fathom. I rocked in my cradle in a rickety boat to refuge on a western shore. Yellow brooms perfume. Sorrow's Antidote. So once Caitlin was on board, um, they created a page on their website, a call for poems, and then I posted on Facebook and I posted on Twitter and I would email it directly to people and started receiving poems. The poems could be emailed or mailed, which was great. And I asked for two poems from every poet just because I wanted to be able to choose and I've got about close to 300 submissions, so that was a lot of poems to read through. And from that, from reading the poems, then the shape and the texture of the book started to kind of form more clearly in my head. What do you mean by the texture of the book? So, um, if I had a vision or a specific idea for the book starting out, it might have been very ecologically minded or witnessing minded, but Whatever my ideas were at the beginning, those changed as the poems came, and so the texture is the kind of interplay between sadness and joy, connection and disconnect that comes through the poems. I wasn't sure how to lay the book out, so I think that that kind of um, evolved a little bit. There were a few poems that I really wanted to highlight, so I separated those out, and then I had all these, I, I was thinking sections with kind of loose ideas, and I think those are the things that evolved and changed a little bit, so that the book is broken into reflection, which could be poems on anything really, humans on it, so experiences of sailing, experiences of damaging <laughs> cargo ships, that kind of thing, and then the last section is on um, the endangered ocean. Uh, the book's title, Refugium, 
comes from the biological term of during an ice age or during a major shift in the environment that creatures can find a space of refuge and survive those shifts. So in a sense, I wanted the book to be that for the ocean. I also wanted a space that others who are concerned with the environment could enter into and feel less isolated. I, you know, during the Harper government and now in the United States and with climate deniers, it's very isolating for those who, who, who see climate change everywhere and yet scientists aren't being able to do studies or the government is saying, no, no, it doesn't exist. It's not, it's not real. It's a figment of your imagination. So that kind of a thing and that kind of a conversation as well and a way I'm hoping to pull scientists into that and create a conversation around our concern for the environment. This poem is by a Japanese poet from the early 1900s, Kaneko Misuzu, and it's translated by two Canadian poets, Yukari Meldrum and Alice Major, and they're both from Alberta. And so this is early 1900s Japan, um, the memorial service for whales. The service for whales is held in late spring, around the season when flying fish are caught at sea. When the ringing of the bell from the temple on the shore carries across the surface of the water. When the village fishermen wear their good jackets over kimonos and hurry to the temple on the shore. Out at sea, a lonely whale child listens to the ringing of the bell and cries, You are dead, mother, father. I miss you. I miss you. How far on the water's wide surface, how far will the bell's echo go? Why is the ocean a topic that is so widely written about? I guess it comes down to that feeling of our connection to it. So if we are mourning, we would go to the ocean, I think, to commune in a sense. And I think we have that deep connection. It's important. Without it, we're dead. So I think, I think that's it. I think it's mysterious. We can only look at the surface, but there's all this life and living below. So I think all those things are reasons why we are connected to it. I think also whales, right? People are very concerned and also connected with, with whales. They want to watch them. They want to know that they're okay. What do you hope that this collection will provide for its readers? I guess... I guess... I hope it will provide um, insight and beauty as well, right? Like I, I want the, the poems are not all sad and devastating. They're also beautiful and embracing and, and that they will create further conversation so that someone might read a poem in the book and then have a conversation with a friend about that poem. That's the kind of thing I'd like to see. How I Envy Jellyfish by Rebecca Rempel. I envy their malleability. Boneless, they take any form they wish. Ghosts in shimmering gowns, hoar frosted willows, orchards of glowing fruit, 
They are the ocean's cumulus clouds, the blue whale's dreams, ancient gods' eyes that have seen eternity. I envy their wisdom. With crystalline tongues, they drink the sea's subconscious, tasting each kind of darkness. They know the current better than the water itself, remember the womb better than we do. I envy their immunity. They have no use for the sun or moon to guide their way, clutching light inside them like the breath they'll never need to take. And in all their isolation, they don't feel loneliness, always gathering together. How I envy their grace as they bell through their lives, tolling silence. I envy their release, their unabashed weeping, the way they enter the deepest abyss and rise up unscathed. For more information on Refugium, Poems for the Pacific, head to www.caitlin-press.com. That was Refugium, Poems for the Pacific, a piece created by members of CFUV's production team. If you enjoyed our program, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more stories like these, head over to cfuvpodcasts.com or soundcloud.com slash cfuv. Our intro is composed and performed by Poddington Bear. The outro for this episode is Gender, written and composed by Painted Fruit. We heard songs from Peach Pyramid and Hans Mole as well, two great Victoria bands. This episode was produced by me, Max Collins, and Bernice Thomas, and Miles Sauer. This program is created by CFV's podcasting production team. If you want to be a part of creating high-quality spoken word programming, head to cfuv.ca to find out more. Full Circle is made possible with the generous support from Oak Bay Bicycles and the Community Radio Fund of Canada. Again, I'm Max Collins. This is Full Circle. Thanks for listening. Support for Full Circle comes from Oak Bay Bikes. Proudly serving the cyclists among UVic students and faculty since 1963. Visit Oak Bay Bikes in Victoria or on the West Shore or online at oakbaybikes.com.